Hey, thanks for joining us at Liberty Station, and uh, I'm Rob McCoy. Uh, hopefully you know that by now, but listen, uh, great program today. I had the privilege of being at the Content of Character Series in Walnut, California, speaking to pastors, uh, and it, it, it's a formulated organization based on the words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King when he said uh, for his children he was concerned with the con not the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And joining me today are two brothers who contain more melanin than I do, um, and yet they're considered white racists. Uh, and not because of the color of their skin, but because of their ideology of what they stand upon, which is truth. And yet, because they don't fit the narrative and they stand upon truth, they're labeled and canceled and attacked and vilified. And they're two of the bravest men I've ever met. I've come to love and adore them. They have been, for me, uh, instruments of encouragement and blessing. They have inspired me to stand strong. They've given me information and insights that I had never known before. Um, and they are remarkable human beings. And so um, I can't wait to introduce you to them. And I'm not going to waste any more time because the more talking I'm doing, the less they're doing. And they need to be doing the talking. And I don't want to be a guest on my own show. So joining me are my dear brothers. To my far left over here is Pastor Mark Little. Yeah. And he is the sweetest human being on the face of the earth. Look at that smile. It's disarming. He is tender and sweet. And you hold the record for the longest service at God Speak. Uh, not just one, all three of them, and uh, that is a remarkable accomplishment. And even though you preached longer than anyone has ever preached uh, and prayed at the end individually and quietly, nobody left the sanctuary, and the place was filled with tears as the Spirit of the Lord fell upon the congregation. And I just, I am so blessed by you. And then uh, closest to me is, well, we're going to just, I'm going to tell him, it's Walter Hoy II, but uh, Reverend, Pastor. Bless your heart. Yeah, he is, he is... Uh, uh, um, an unending advocate for the unborn. He and his wife, Lori, have uh, contended for the unborn. They have been a voice for the unborn to the point where you've been arrested and incarcerated, uh, standing in yes, opposition sir. to a state that not only uh, leads the country in abortion, California, mm. um, they don't just tear the baby apart in its mother's womb and flush the parts into the sewer system of the state. They harvest the organs before they do that. Yes. And um, we're going to hear statistics, especially from your wife, Lori, today. And uh, I want to do another episode with her. Please. About this genocide on the black community. Uh, and both of you, uh, I don't know where we're going to go with this today, but um, both of you have been a voice for the unborn. Uh, you and your wife, Tigra, have contended, especially in Los Angeles, uh, for the unborn. And now you're working with an organization, Cure, I believe it is. I want you to tell everyone about that, Mark. And then, Walter, you jump in and share, and uh, we're going <laughs> wherever the Lord leads. But I'm just going to begin, because folks are going to be watching this, and we're going to start with the obvious. You're sporting this crazy ring <laughs> that is just sparkly and huge. And I'm looking at that thing. I know what it stands for, but yeah. I want everybody to yeah, know right, what right. it means to you yeah. and why you wear it. Yeah. Well, uh, Pastor Rob, thank you. Um, uh, you. You speak so well of us, but the, but the reality is is that yes. you are a leader among leaders. Yes. Uh, you are a um, pastor to pastors, uh, and you are a blessing to the body of Christ. Uh, and I can say this honestly. I think beyond what the Lord has allowed you to appreciate in your own mind. <laughs> and that's a real blessing, uh, to be able to function and be who you are and not understand the gravity of it. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. And it's called humility. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be with you. 
Uh, I'm glad to be with my friend Walter Hoy, oh. who is a dean uh, in what we do uh, in our community, yeah. um, but it's beyond our community. He is a dean. He's a leader. Uh, his Issues for Life website is a resource yeah, it is. For, for all of us uh, uh, around the globe because of the years of work that he's put into Thank building an archive of information that you can't find anywhere else. It's, it's, it's staggering wow. uh, what he has done. And, and uh, Walter, you and, and uh, Pastor Broden were the co-founders of Content of Character. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's been a, a project we started, well, years ago. And the Lord has just brought it this far. Amen. Well, I want to yeah. dig into that. But, hey, yeah. I started with the ring. Yeah, Come I'll on. answer it. Yeah, enough it. with the accolades or yeah. whatever it is. I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you said about me bounces off me, sticks to see, you, so go for see, it. That's called humility. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'll tell you, uh, and it really does tie together, um, because uh, one of the major problems in the African-American community is now bleeding over into other ethnicities is fatherhood. Yep. And, and I was raised by a single mother, but she raised me to, to believe that my father loved me mm. and that I'd be in relationship with him. Come on. Mm -hmm. And I knew him from an early age, but he didn't raise me. Right. Uh, I often heard that he was in town through the newspapers. Hmm. So my dad is Floyd Little. He passed away a year ago, <clears throat> January 1, 2001. And, and he was blessed uh, to have come out of Hill House High School in New Haven, Connecticut, went to Bordentown Military School in New Jersey. Wow. Uh, uh, went to Syracuse University, became mm -hmm. uh, the third legendary 44 behind Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, and then Floyd wow. Little. Uh, and then my dad uh, went to the Denver Broncos at a time when they were moving the team. Yeah. And so they kept the team there because of my dad's leadership, uh, and they called him the franchise. Come on. And so he went and had a great career. How many uh, years did he play in the NFL? He played from 67 to 75. Wow. Yes. And, and when it was all over, the Broncos were always a horrible team. <laughs> they never went to the Super Bowl. And the year after he retired, they went to the Super Bowl. There you go. But they what position did he play? Running back. Okay. He was running back. And, and to survive that long as yeah. running back, I mean, that is, you just run into a brick wall every no, time. Wow. There's no doubt about it. He, wow. I mean, there's a lot to say about the team, but the orange crush, you know, go, go orange. Uh, but at the end of the day, Dad didn't go into the Super Bowl, into the Hall of Fame, rather. Uh, and, and that was one of the things that just sort of plagued him. Right. Uh, for, for, you know, the latter part of his life. Right. And his friend Jim Brown said, uh, Floyd, you were the only three-time All-American. You, you don't need to be in the Hall of Fame uh, uh, for us to remember how good a player you were. But Dad never let go of his dream yeah. uh, to be in the Hall. And so ultimately, in 2010, he, he was elected by 44 voters— uh, there was the 44th president of the United States, an African-American. Mm -hmm. I was 44 years old, mm -hmm. and my father wore the number 44. Is that what you was, did? you do that for the lottery? Well, no. <laughs> no, we should have yeah, played yeah. it that year. But it was just a bizarre coincidence. Yeah. And, then, and right. I, here's why I tell that story. Out of all the people who could have inducted him into the hall, mm -hmm. I've got two sisters that he raised. Mm -hmm. Uh, who, who, who I love them and we're in great relationship and that's another story of uh, of blended right. family being mended. Yeah. Right. Uh, but bottom line is, I inducted my father Come on. into the Pro Football Hall yes, of Fame yes, as his best friend. Come on, mm. it's a story of, of redemption. What? That's right, restoration, yep. redemption. Mm -hmm. But here's how: sometimes kids have to be the adult in relationship. Yeah. Sometimes kids have to learn 
to say, I don't need your apology, I need relationship. Don't be led by a child. Oftentimes, we're chasing apology, and we don't chase relationship. There you go. Wow. And so wow. I chased relationship, wow. and it resulted in uh, my dad and I being best friends. Yeah. That's awesome. And he gave me his ring when he passed away to answer the real question. <laughs> this is his Hall of Fame ring. Seriously, that thing it. looks like a disco ball. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more thing I want folks to know about you. Um, you're, you're a licensed attorney. You went to mm -hmm. USC. Mm -hmm. um, you were dating a gal, and uh, there was a tragic event that occurred in your life. Share with the folks what happened. Sure. So I, I came out of Connecticut with my mom and went to USC, uh, 83 to 87. And, and I just wasn't sure what I was going to do with my, my life after I graduated, frankly. And I was still living in off-campus housing at USC. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know, coming from Connecticut, that USC is in the heart of gangland yep. in South L.A. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the heart. Yes. And so one night I was coming back four days after my birthday. It was July 31st. And I was coming back from what was the 32nd Street Market. I, I was living, Pastor Rob, off of peanut butter and jelly. I was a broke and student. It. And loving it, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And I still, I still eat it, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was coming back swinging my loaf of bread. The 32nd Street Market had bread for 25 cents. Wow. I, I, you were living on a wing and, and a prayer. By, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, Pastor Rob, because you're vanilla. I don't know That's if you know right. That's all right. I don't know. I probably but, don't. But let me tell you, when you have peanut butter and jelly, you got to have it with two things. Okay, come on. You got to have it. <laughs> With grape jelly and white bread. All right. And creamy peanut butter now. Right? Yeah. But you got to have white bread. So I Am I supposed that. to feel something with this? <laughs> you got, no, you got to understand there's a recipe. If, you, if you're going to get the black card, because when we leave here, we, you're going to get a black card. So when we leave here, you got to know at least that. If you're going to have PB&J, it's got to be with white, white bread, bread and grape jelly. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so get to the story. <laughs> Thanks like for the you. black card. I'm, li I'm like you, you know. I'm full of stories. Yeah, that's all right. So, so I got my bread. Yeah. And I'm going back to the apartment, and Tigra sees me coming. Yes, she does. And she comes out to meet yeah. me. And now, she, by the way, Tigra is stunning. She was stunning I mean, I, then. Listen, too, I, I know beautiful. I'm surrounded by it. My wife's yeah. beautiful. My girls are beautiful. And Tigra is stunning. She's a beautiful lady. So is Lori. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Amen. I'm blessed. Amen. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You guys both met him out of rehab, I think. Yeah. I'm just yeah. As someone said earlier, she cut off the ankle bracelet. That's right. That's right. My wife said to me after she came out for a three-day drunk, I married who? No, I'm kidding. Michelle's not a drinker. It's a joke. Come on, roll with me. I've got clients who, who, who that happened to in yeah, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. That's another story. I'll get to it. So I'm, she comes running up to you. Come, comes running up, and, and, and she's walking with me, and she says, now... Now, there's some guys here. Just ignore them. Just, just follow me. She's savvy. Yeah. I don't hear that. I learned after the fact, years later, in fact. How to listen to your wife? Not only that, but you know, that's true. But, but I, you know, sometimes things are meant to happen. Yeah, I got you. Mm. I didn't hear it. Mm. And so as we were passing uh, cars and going toward the apartment, I, I hear a voice. Can you help me fix this? And I'm a naive kid from Connecticut. I said, sure. Right. Help right. you fix what? And I went and I turned to him. He was a black kid leaning over a gold Jetta across the windshield wiper. And I said, sure, help you fix what? 
And Tigra sort of stayed back a little bit because she, she had heard her own warning. Yeah. And I moved in and said, help you fix what? And he said, fix this. And he turned and he pointed a 12-gauge shotgun in the center oh. of my forehead. No. And he said, you better have $100, at least $100. Right. My hands went up. The change from my dollar from my loaf of bread went out. And, and time stopped. Anybody that understands <clears throat> firearms and all of that and what happens yeah. in trauma, yeah. time stopped. I could see his lips moving, mm. but I can hear him say, give me $100, at least $100. Right. And I didn't have it. And by the grace of God, he turned the gun around and hit me with the butt end of it. I threw myself down, thinking that it would end the encounter. Right. And standing over me by probably three feet, he cocked that 12-gauge shotgun. And I thought he was aiming at my head. It's what it looked like. Right. But he hit me in the main artery of my right leg. Oh. And long story short, he sped away. Uh, I, I, the main artery, as you know, is You're the main out. artery. I'm bleeding out. Um, ultimately, I lost my right leg. Uh, but God gave me a mission and a purpose. And he allowed me to do that with the woman who witnessed it. Mm. Tigra saw me go through that tragedy. Mm. She walked with me. She married me. And we're in ministry together. So. Amen. Wow. Amen. Then you went on to law school. and I picked up the pieces of my life at USC and you became a, a lawyer. Yeah, uh, they, they gave me, uh, I was in the hospital for four months. Mm -hmm. uh, they gave me disability. I, I was making money lying in the bed. And, and, and I came to myself like the prodigal son. Something just happened one day. I, uh, I, 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 I came to a moment of, of insanity mm -hmm. lying in the hospital uh, because I began to rehearse, how am I going to be able to throw a ball with my son with one leg? Mm -hmm. And I literally felt insanity. Like I, I wouldn't come back from it. It was, it was, it was tangible. Mm. And, and, and from that moment, I said, I'll never have a pity party. I said, I'll go and have a peg leg if that's what it takes, but I'm not going in that direction. I'm yeah. not going back, and I'm not going to pity myself. No despair. No despair. And so that moment, and then in rehab, I'm collecting money. I said, I got to check out of this place. I went and worked two jobs out of rehab. I went back to USC, where I had been working when I was mm -hmm. shot, uh, in Continental Airlines, where I was at the ticket counter throwing bags with one leg. Come on. And crutches. So you can do what you want to do. You just have to have right. the will to do right. it. The before, will I, to do I, it. I, before I transition to Walter, I want to I wanna ask you, uh, faith-wise, raised in a Christian home, strong faith when you went to USC, or did that manifest itself as you were in the hospital, or was it strong and became stronger? What, what, what happened with you and the Lord? Where was all that? I accepted the Lord uh, Jesus Christ at a young age. In fact, it was a, a, a physical experience. In my room, dark one night, I was raised with my mother and my grandmother, and one night alone, I accepted Jesus Christ and I actually felt the Holy Spirit come. It's like a Pauline conversion. It was unbelievable. I remember it into, in, in, into this moment. However, I can also say now as a mature believer, uh, and this just makes sense in development, uh, I was nowhere uh, where I needed to be on the night I was shot yeah. in <laughs> terms of my spiritual development. <laughs> but, but, I, but I knew Jesus Christ. In fact, when I got picked up in the ambulance, mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
I heard in my in my in my in my mind in my spirit, the Lord say, "Do you want to live? Do you want to stay?" Hmm. Wow, wow. So I, I I knew him that much. Yeah. And 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 get ready, brace yourself, audience, because I asked him a question. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, uh, the paramedic said, "Do you want?" No, the Lord said, "Do you want to stay?" And I said to the paramedic, "Are my balls all right?" Yeah. Forgive me. Are there any children? Yeah, they're, 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 no, they're rolling with it. And and he raised up that sheet. And he said, you'll be fine. Amen. And I decided to stay. So to answer your question, I had a relationship. But I couldn't do... It was do, contingent upon yeah, your yeah. ability I to appropriate. Do, <laughs> I couldn't do for people then. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't do for people then what the Lord is allowing me to do now Amen. as a minister of the gospel. That's profound. Wow. And you know what? Uh, listen to that. I mean, we could almost just call it a day, and there's so much to unpack, right. and we will. Right. But right. Uh, coming over to you, Walter, oh. uh, hearing your story, having read your book, um, your story is just as compelling. And what you've endured and what you've had to go through and how God called you into that, and yet indefatigable is the word I'm thinking of. I hope I pronounced that correctly. You just don't tire. Mm. I mean, you probably, you know, J. Vernon McGee said, we get tired in the work, but not of the work. Right, right. And, and I, I know there's seasons where you and Lori are just looking at each other going, man, this, is, this one's really been tough. Yes. But you have never stopped. And, and I, I want the folks to hear your story, especially how you ended up in prison and how the Lord used you in prison. Um, and you were placed there for doing the right thing. So walk wow. us through that, if you would. Well, uh, thank you so much, Robert. Again, I want to join Mark. I want to thank you especially for inviting us and having us. And I want to thank you personally for your friendship. Oh, I feel the same way about you guys. I know that if I need to talk to somebody, I got a friend I can call up. Amen. So God bless you for that. I also want to uh, jump on something that, that Mark said. I want him to know that not only did his dad play for the Denver Broncos from 1967 to 1975, but my dad, Walter B. Hoy, he broke the color line in 1967 in the NFL. Wow. My dad became the first black American employee in the office for the NFL. We broke the color line. So that literally moved us from Detroit to San Diego. With the Chargers? Yeah, with the San Diego Chargers. They're my at, favorite team. At that time. So, well, I got to say I'm a Rams fan because I, I served in office here. But <laughs> well, I grew up a Charger fan. Oh, well, gay man. God, yeah. God bless Born you. Born and raised in San Diego. I had to. Yes, that's Come right. On. Air Coriel. Yeah. Oh, now we're talking. Now yeah, we're yeah. talking. I can remember meeting your father. And my father and your father knew each other extremely well. You knew it in the 60s, 67, 68, 69. Those of us that were... In the league, we all knew one another. Well, uh, blacks in the NFL are like conservatives in California yeah. today. Yeah. Back in the, uh, I don't yeah. know if that's a good illustration, yeah. but yeah. I mean, yeah. we're we're like uh, the island of misfit toys, you yeah. know. But I, I, how what 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 did he do in the front office? What was his role? He became the public relations officer, so he worked directly with the players, and he would help the brothers in their interviews. He would be the one on television. It was amazing, and that moved us from Detroit. Now, for me, that was traumatic. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Detroit, and Detroit was all black. I, that was just the environment I was born in. I didn't think anything about it. I was in the hood. 
And so moving from Detroit to San Diego moves from an all-black environment to a virtually all-white environment. And the Lord began to move on my heart. He began to open up my eyes. And I, I began to see things in ways, racially speaking, that I would have never seen before if my dad hadn't made this move from Detroit to San Diego. So, so it, was a, it was a perspective change, a kind of a paradigm shift? Oh, a, 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 absolutely. I can remember I'm, I'm sitting in the locker room. I'm with the players. I'm a ball boy. And I'm having a great time being on the That's field. That's magical. Being, it was just fantastic. But I was under the impression that the problem uh, was in black America was the white man. And everything in black America that was wrong was because of the white man. Well, now I'm sitting in the locker room. I'm sitting with the players. And literally, the brothers are trying to sell me drugs. The brothers are trying to get me. Mark knows what I'm talking about, trying to get me on it. He wanted to use me as a ball boy, one of the brothers, to help him sell it because I had access. I could go places that he couldn't go. And then I began to realize that, wait a minute. I'm a young man. I'm trying to go to school. I'm trying to graduate with a degree and get a job. I'm trying to pay back the sacrifices that our black forefathers and foremothers have made so that I can go to school, so that I can a degree. And my brother is telling me, wanting me, encouraging me, begging me to become a, a drug dealer. Now, this wasn't the first time in Detroit I ran into all of this, yeah. but it finally hit me in that locker room, in that locker room in San Diego, and the Lord began to take my life to a whole nother level. So, Mark, I'm with you on that, that those years, that 1967, 1975, that happened to be the lifespan of my dad in the NFL. Wow. That was amazing. Wow. That I did not know. I didn't know that. Well, uh, for both of you, um, you're raised in Connecticut, and and you're raised in Detroit. Uh, you make the journey out to California. You make the journey out to California. Uh, different paths, obviously. Yours is traumatic, and yours is one of great moral challenge. And the formulation and development of your lives. Um, we talk about Blexit, blacks exiting the Democratic Party. Um, I, I was raised in Coronado. I was a, a marshmallow raised in milk. You know, that that just Coronado, 98% white. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when, when I went to San Diego City College, there was a black community there. And, uh, you know, just the exposure. And I remember bringing home a black friend that I had met in school. And my mom was gracious. And we, we had a good, good time. And then we adopted a Vietnamese brother and sister. So, you know, it just, it, it was never an issue for me, even though being raised there, that just, that was my home. It was people are people. Um... But I was raised with conservative principles, not in a Christian home. I don't remember reading the Bible or going to church with my family or praying, for that matter. My parents came to Christ later in life. But politics was ingrained in me. Uh, even to when I came into the church, it was like, why doesn't the church participate in this stuff? And I met you long before Blexit was a, a concept. Uh, I met you guys long before you know, Trump had come into right, office right. and all these things started to occur what what is your background politically and what brought you to a place where the principles you stand upon um, and and the the horizon you see politically that would formulate who you are how did that come about for each of you and whoever wants to jump in feel free 
I'll tell you my story because yeah. I wasn't raised. I was raised in church, sang, was in a choir and all that stuff. Um, uh, uh, but it was a Democrat experience. I voted for Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's how it happened for me. I was a clerk for Judge Robert Takasugi, federal judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in law school. And, 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 and as a law clerk, we used to write, we write motions for the bench. The clerks are the ones who decide how the court should rule. So I'm writing motions, and one, one, one Monday morning when we had our motion hearings, uh, 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 we're about to present, I'm about to present my motion, and, and, the, and the staff begins to chuckle because they know I'm about to present my ruling, my proposed uh, recommendation to the judge, and they start laughing. And, and, and why are you laughing? And they said, you don't know, do you? I said, no, what? All of your recommendations are conservative. I said, what does that mean? Right, right. And that began my journey. I had to go look up the difference between a conservative and a liberal. Hmm. And then I went home to Tigra. We, <laughs> we got married in 1994. This was maybe a year or two before that. And, and I said, honey, this is what happened today. And, and, and then we got married in 1994. We said, well, what do we believe? And for the first time, we matched our values. Your with Christian our beliefs vote. with your vote. Not the, not the other right, way. Right, right. We said, what do we believe? And, and, and what we believed about life, thank God, by the grace of God, we, our values matched one another. It doesn't happen for everybody. No. Right, right. By the grace of God, we went up one side, down the other. We went down the, 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 the spiritual things, the things that are important to God, and then we went down uh, the founding of our, of our, of our country and, and the role of government, limited government, personal responsibility, all of that. Right. And we, were, right. we matched, and we said, by golly, in this season, we are Republicans. Hmm. That's how it happened. Fascinating. Wow. Now, wow. Walter, when you jump in, I, I still want you to tell the story uh, about incarceration and all that. So I don't know if we can do that or we can visit again. But but tell me how this all formulated for you um, and, and maybe how you met Lori and all of that. Wow. 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 Well, me moving, I was a, at first a, a Democrat. My parents were Democrat. I was just Democrat. But I began to realize more about the pro-life issue from the birth of my son, firstborn son, born a little less than six months, born in one point nine, uh, and he it, it got to the Walter point, Hoy the third. Yes, come on. It, it got to the point where I'm holding him in the palm of my right hand, and that's when God was speaking to me. He literally told me, Walter, what you're holding in the palm of your right hand is what's supposed to be on in the womb of a woman. Hmm. And that at that point, I became pro-life. I, I'm wow. pro-life all the way. Now, I'm also working in my church. And oh my, oh my goodness, I began to realize that the Democrat Party couldn't kill enough black babies. Mm-hmm. They promoted over and over again, whereas this was the Republicans, they were standing for life. Then I began to realize, well, Life is a biblical issue. Amen. There's a biblical economy. There's biblical diet. There's these biblical models that make it clear how God wants us to live our life. I looked at the Democrat Party platform, and the Democrat Party platform read like Romans chapter 1. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So 
ultimately, eventually, I get to a point where I'm standing outside of an abortion clinic. I'm holding a sign that says, God loves you and your baby, let us help you. And the women, the sisters going in the clinic were surprised to see a black pastor standing outside of an abortion clinic. Ultimately, they would talk to me and change their mind and not have the abortion. I didn't care what they needed. They wanted to know that God loved them. Now they go to church and they recognize me from the pulpit, so they know they know God, but they still want to know that God loves them. Then they want to know, well, if God loves me, does God love my baby? And for her, it was always a baby. It wasn't fetus, it wasn't a clump of cells, it wasn't anything like that. And then she said, well, preacher, and the sisters don't mind getting in your face. And she said, well, what you going to do? You going to help me? I didn't care what she needed. I helped her. Ultimately, the abortion clinic is suffering economically now, financially yeah. now. That's and amazing. I yeah. get. How, how did Lori come into the scene? Oh, my goodness. I, I, Lori and I were already, already married. And my, what, what year did you get married? We got married in 1989. Yeah, nine. 1980. I'm looking at my wife right now. I make sure I, I get that right. She's even pretty behind the We're celebrating uh, 33 years come on. Of, of marriage, and she... The rookie on the, at the table is Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm 1990. Well, well, she's... She... I've been with Tigris since 1985. Oh, quit, quit. <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> December 85. If you like it, you better put a ring on it. Yeah, that's that's come right. on. <laughs> she's been... Uh, everything to me, and I, I can't speak well enough about my Proverbs eighteen twenty two. Come on, amen. amen. When did the incarceration hit? What happened? The we're, we're and how'd God use it? I'm standing outside a boys clinic. The clinic literally gets with the mayor, the city council, the chief of police. This is Oakland. In Oakland, in Oakland, the city of Oakland. <laughs> and the city attorney, and they realized that there was nothing wrong with me standing on a public sidewalk holding a sign helping the sisters, helping the women. So they literally created a law to put me in jail. They made it illegal to stand on a public sidewalk, hold a sign, pass out literature, and have a conversation. And ultimately, they uh, put me, arrested me, and put me in jail. In court, we were facing four years Hmm. in court. But what changed that was, the Lord, this was a miracle. I was trying to build up our pro-life ministry in our church. And so I picked a couple of days where we were videotaping so I could take the videotape back, show the congregation what it's really like to be out there. No, we're going to be like Martin Luther King Jr. and be nonviolent. I don't want you to respond to them because they were not responding well to me, the abortion clinic escorts. Yeah. So ultimately, we play this tape in court the tape lord worked it out that the tape matched the exact two days i would be called legally called in the question i had no idea and all oh my goodness that's what changed it from four years to 30 days and i spent that time in jail and in my time in jail that's a whole nother episode right there i want to hear it oh my goodness yeah, the lord you, you you ministered powerfully well the 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 lord had me become the chaplain so to speak when i walked into prison it was it was an amazing time we led the brothers in prayer we we led the brothers in bible study the brothers talked to me i mean it got to the point where i was up all night talking with those that 
hung out all night. <laughs> and then I was up all day with those that were you know, <laughs> hanging all day. up all day. And I really, there's so much I could talk about that from what I did and my experience. But there was this one time where I was feeling sorry for myself. I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm in jail. I'm, I'm going to go right back out, do the same thing. And this time I'm going to get the four years. They ain't playing around this time. And I can't see what you want from my life. I was feeling sorry for myself. And that's when the Lord spoke to me. And he made it very clear that what he wanted from me was more important than what I wanted for myself. And I needed to have this allegiance to him, this commitment to him. And when he did, when the Lord spoke to me while I'm in prison, I'm in jail. Yeah. I recommitted my life to him. And we've just been on a roller coaster ever since. Love it. Your dad breaking the color barrier, front office of the NFL. What kind of a dad was he? Oh, my dad was was a great dad. I loved my father, and I so agree uh, with you guys about the importance of having a mom and dad. My dad, if he had a weakness, this was my dad's weakness. This is my dad's weakness. Mama came first. Yeah. It didn't matter. Mama's not happy. Nobody's happy. Ooh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm, I was a firstborn son. We were tired. We were all good. My dad was a golden glove champion boxer. He, he hit you so hard. Ooh, your whole family would so, feel it. <laughs> you know, when I wouldn't, couldn't find my way to act right, dad found a way. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. patriotic. He'd lay down stripes. You'd see stars. <laughs> yeah. I literally see the stars. Yeah. Uh, but he taught me that. Loving your wife was meaningful. I mean, Dad would almost even lose his job if he thought his wife was in danger. Wow. He was amazing. So I, I love my father. I thank God for my father. My dad uh, was a Navy captain. He got a billet to become an admiral, uh, but it required that we leave San Diego and, and take uh, this overseas billet to Korea. And my mom had followed my dad every two years to every duty station. She was faithful and just put up with Navy life. Um, and then she just turned to him. My great uncle was in a home um, wow. Wow. in San Diego. My mom was taking care of him, and the kids were all in school. And she finally just turned to my dad and said, you know, I, I think I've had enough. And my dad, you know, one what, 1% one of officers make it to Admiral. And wow. he was all set. It was, a, it was a done deal. And he just said, okay. And I, you know, I... My dad served my mom and loved her. Um, wow. They're really precious, you know. Wow. So, wow. the the power of of a solid father, you, you just you can't you can't you can't underestimate wow. the significance of that. Mark, with your dad, how did you all reconcile? I know it's relationship, but yeah. tell everybody at the end what how you you brought your you and your dad brought it around. Uh, it, it, it's it's connected with. A word that I heard recently about Esther. <laughs> it, it is. You sat through two of those services. You're <laughs> glutton for punishment. The, the 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 answer. I have to really, very seriously. The answer is um, caring about something more than your own personal need. Wow! Wow! And 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 most kids. Don't have it. I don't know how the Lord allowed me at 18 right. years old, right. 19 years old, to be, able to, to be able to see that there was something more important um, in, 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 in that 
I was entering into a relationship where most people would want to understand, why did you not raise me? Why did you not do this? Why did you not do that? I remember when I was a kid at Notre Dame High School, uh, needing to understand, how do I play football and, 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 and go into the shower naked with all these other uh, boys? Right. I was an only child. I didn't have to the mis- share anything. The mystery of manhood. Yeah. And nobody's there to walk you right. through it. Right. I had nobody right. to really pour into me basic Teach simple stuff. Teach you how stuff. to shave. Yeah. And, and I don't mind saying, somebody told me when, when, when we received our son, um, that uh, very young age, he's eight years old now, but uh, he's, he's from the motherland, from mm-hmm. Ethiopia. And one of my friends said to me, you're going to have to teach your son how to pee, how to stand over that toilet. I said, huh? And lift the seat and put yeah. it back down so yeah. you don't lose yeah, your marriage. That's the important part. Marriage. <laughs> yeah. I, I never had anybody to do those things that we never think about. Right. A boy right. needs to be taught how to do. And so, uh, Pastor Rob, I, I got to tell you, I just re- I remember the moment like it was yesterday. It, it, it was almost out of me. Uh, some, uh, voice said, stop him from apologizing. Mm. We were in, the, in a lobby in a, in, a, in, a Ve- in a Vegas casino, checking in. He was taking me out of town for the first time. And he, I felt him compelled to begin to explain what had happened. And of course... You know, it's never your fault. You know, right. Your right. mama this, your mama that. I said, stop. I said, I don't need to hear any of that. I said, can we just focus on what we're going to do tomorrow? Can we just... That's a good word. Can we just figure out how to catch up on all the lost years? Right. That's all I really care about. Right. You know, I, I'd heard... What he didn't know is that what he... I saw the spirit of uh, it, it wasn't all my fault coming. And what he didn't understand was that my mother raised me to love you. Let's not erase that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Don't spoil a good thing, Dad. So, so I write in my book, The Prodigal Republican, about this episode. And I say, and it's unfortunate because there are a lot of kids who have been abused by their dads physically, emotionally. Um, and so it doesn't apply to everyone. Right. My, 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 some, some people need a little more than yeah. what I'm saying in this moment because they've right. dealt with trauma. That's right. They've dealt with real stuff that it, it takes more than what I'm saying. I, and, I, and I recognize that. But even still, unforgiveness is a poisonous pill you it swallow is. while you wait for the person you hate to die. That's right. That's oh, absolutely. right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely. exactly right. So there's, there needs to be that forgiveness. you got to let it go. There's no doubt about it. Put the and consequences I, in God's hands. That, that, that's right. And I don't diminish that. Forgiveness is the absolute necessary ingredient to healing Every relationship, even if you didn't do, even if that person didn't do anything wrong and you didn't do anything wrong, but there's just a chasm. Sometimes you just got to say, hey, man, I love you and I'm sorry if I've offended you and you ask for forgiveness. Sometimes you got to fall on the sword uh, like we talked about in church today. Somebody's got to fall on the Malachi. Somebody's going to fall on the sword. That's right. Sometimes, You, you know. As best as possible with you, live at peace with all men. That means clean up your side of the street. Yeah. And, and just own your stuff. And it's easier said than done. But. And, and forgiving isn't forgetting, especially yeah. for folks abused. You, you right. can't forget what they did to you. Right. But forgiveness is putting the consequences of their actions in the hand of God so you can go on with your life. Yeah. Don't let them live in your head rent free. Yeah. And, you know, hold every thought captive to the mind of Christ. When that, when that trauma creeps in, 
just put it back in the file cabinet and say, yeah. God, you take it from here. You, you hold them accountable. Yeah. I'm not going to let them own me. Yeah. I'm going to move on with this. And um, folks need add, to understand that. I just, I just got a word. Yeah. Somebody needs to hear that you are not what happened to you. That's right. That's right. That's a good so, word. So, so kids who uh, are left, daddy, uh, left them, abandoned them, and the daddy wounds that exist right, in our communities. Right, right. You, you're not that trash that you feel like you are because you feel abandoned. You weren't abandoned. God never left you. God never left you. Hard and, to imagine, but it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And somebody needs to grab hold exactly, of that because exactly. some people feel, yeah. uh, and 72% of our community have been left by dad. Yep. And, and so the feeling of abandonment and worthlessness yeah. is very, very yeah. prevalent in our community. And by the way, it's not limited to the black community anymore. No, oh. it, it's, it's, it's rampant across the, the spectrum. Everywhere. For both of you, you, you know, the folks have received kind of a, a Reader's Digest version of your lives, kind of a quick flyover. But <laughs> for the sake of time and, and just going to the direction I believe God wanted us to do is, would you share with everyone... What, what your great passion is and, and how you've been brought to this place and why you do what you do and what's the why and what you do. I know it's the Lord, but uh, elaborate what your great passion is and what drives you and, and your hope for this nation, uh, why you stand upon the principles you stand and what it's cost you, uh, which obviously compared to the Lord is minimal. As the Apostle Paul said, I consider it all dung. But really, folks need to know the price you've paid. Um, the, the idea that, that you'd be called white supremacist. I mean, I, it just, <laughs> I can't even process that. It's just stunning to me. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Tom's, I imagine you've gotten that as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, just lay it all out so folks can hear it because faithfulness comes with a price. Yeah. But also give them hope. Yeah. Why? Mm. And, and don't make it up. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, just, just tell them, because yeah, yeah. I already know. Yeah. Share with them. Walter, why don't you take it? Well, I, I, I want to say that what God put on my heart is the child inside the womb, the very image of Christ, of God himself. And that's been since he revealed himself to me through the birth of my firstborn son. And since then, that, ha that has, has cost me not only time in prison and in jail for literally just standing on a public sidewalk holding up a sign, but I was also fired from my church because I was pro-life. Hmm. And so being... Holocaust in the black community, it's a black church, hmm. and you're fired. Fired. We were... the When I was arrested, there was so much media around my arrest, hmm. around why I was arrested, around the people involved in the arrest and how it became a part and the law that was now on the books. Uh, it, it got to be it got to be the point where the church would be mentioned along with with me, and ultimately that led to them meeting one day while I was out of town and desiring to fire me. And so I, I want to say this real quickly is that pursuing what Christ has put on your heart uh, will often cost you. And believe me, uh, I didn't always have the answer that I, I have today, but I'm a witness today that God will see you through god Amen. will make a way out of no way and only god can do that 
Uh, come Amen. on, that's like an exclamation point right there. This is this is the dean. You listen to the <laughs> dean. I'll I'll tell you quickly uh, two points. Two uh, responding in two ways. Number one, when you understand your identity in Christ, and you understand that you have an assignment, you don't care what people call you. You don't care what people think about you. The Lord has allowed me to to live a life of abundance. And if, if I pass out and die leaving this studio, don't weep for me because I've done the assignment. Amen. And I could care less if they call me a coon mm. or an Uncle Tom. Mm. I, when, when that happens, I, I pray for them because they show their own ignorance. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it has no impact on me. We talk about uh, Arab Christians. Uh, Jews don't trust them. The Western Christian world doesn't trust them. They're, they're in an island unto themselves. The Muslim world wants them destroyed. I, I would think it, it'd probably be a similar road to hoe for you guys that um, being a conservative in the black community, you are suspect in the white community. Yeah. Uh, you're alienated from the black community. And no one chooses this for themselves. It's not a pleasant <laughs> road to, to walk. No. But yet, it, it, you're compelled to do it. Um, with this calling on your life, what are the greatest needs in America from your perspective? And, and I know the why and what you do, as I said earlier, but share with everybody from, from your unique position of being an alien in both worlds, uh, not with me and not a God speak, and you know that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But in general. Yeah. What's the greatest need in America, and, and, and why has God called you to do what you do? I'll, I'll share this with you. I was at a dinner table uh, at an organization that we both are a part of, <laughs> and, 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 and it's 99% white folks. And I'm sitting at a dinner table, and a lady at the dinner table, she, she said to me, uh, over all the noise, she said, Pastor, she said, how does it feel to be the only black person here? Mm. Wow. And, 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 and as odd and as strange, uh, but as honest as her question was, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't take a breath. And I said to her, sister, I said, I choose my community uh, by their values, not by their color. That's a good word. Right, right. And so as, as odd as it might look that I traffic between both worlds because people understand that I'm rooted in my identity. The black folk call me when they have need. The white folk receive me because they know I ain't afraid of them and I love them. Amen. And Matthew twenty two thirty seven is where I live. Share I'm going to love neighbors. my neighbor as myself. There it is. I love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and strength, and, and I'm going to love you. And on those two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. That's how I live my Stop life. right there. Yeah, drop, mic drop. That's how I live my life. Walter, how about you? The Lord impressed upon my heart this. Without life, nothing matters. You could have a mom and dad waiting on you when you get out the womb. You can have a job waiting on you when you get out the womb. You could have an education. You could have a business. You could have friends and family. You can have money in the bank. You could have all of that waiting on you when you get out the womb. 
But if you can't get out the womb, mm. it don't matter. Without life, mm. nothing matters. It's it's fascinating wow. that uh, our founders penned our birth certificate saying life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And Bob McEwen, Congressman McEwen, always says, liberty and happiness are a scarce little value if you're dead. That's right. That's why they began with life. Right. And and we're to be a nation of life. And yet, tell me some some abortion statistics in the black mm. community. And Lori will go into greater detail, but share with folks the, the, the trauma that the black community is up against. When you take a look at the, the, the top 10 causes of death in black America, top 10 causes of death, you're taking a, a look at heart disease. You're taking a look at cancer. You look at diabetes. I mean, homicide is like fifth or sixth on there, but it is on the list. Abortion in black America all by itself is more than cancer, more than heart disease, more than diabetes, all put together. Just this one problem that we suffer from and so I, I like to make it make it clear that if we're going to make it better for for black America we're going to have to address the number one cause of death and oh my goodness we're going to have to fight for life we're going to have to uplift that biblical model and we're going to have to move forward according to God's plan for us and stand against the deception that that allows us to use abortion out of convenience uh, and believe in the lie. That's the only way we're able to do it. It's because we believe the lie that it's not life. That's right. When Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973, the mantra was, a world of wanted children will make a world of difference. And back in 73, there were 100,000 cases of child abuse in America a year annually. And so we've had unrestricted abortion since 1973. And we're going to, you know, you measure that and say, okay, now... It's a world of wanted children. You get to decide if you want that child or not. Uh, how, what has it done for child abuse? Well, it's still at 100,000, but it's right. not a year. It's a week. So it's increased the, the abuse of children because they're a commodity now and they're convenience. And we have become a nation of death. In California, uh, the, the statistic, well, we lead the nation in abortion right, here. It's right, been estimated we've right. aborted more children because right. abortion was legal long before 73. Yes. We've been aborting children long before it became uh, nationally recognized. And it's been estimated we've aborted more children than the entire population of Canada. Right. I mean, this, this is a state of death. And we don't just abort the children. We harvest their organs before we rip them completely apart. Yes. The, the, yes. It's just heinous. It's hard to actually digest. You know, I, I was blessed to have been put in the path to run into both of you by, by God's ordination. And my life has been forever changed. And I wanted folks to meet two of the bravest men I've ever met. How can they follow you and glean from you what I've had the privilege to glean? How, how do they track you? What are some of your websites? They can reach me at cure-action.com cure-action.com. What is Cure? Cure is a, uh, I'm the executive director of Cure America Action, and I go around the country teaching people about life, about the founding principles, and about educational choice. Uh, and then I, I walk with them and try to convince them to actually run for office 
and help change this country. Come on. So that's what Cure America Action is. They can also reach me on Instagram at Real Mark T. Little, Real Mark T. Little. And then I've got a podcast called The Mark Little Show. Boom. 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 <laughs> I love it. Sign up for that, folks. Walter? You can reach my wife and I at Issues for Life, and that's issues, the number four, life.org. That's the website, Issues for Life Foundation, the 51C3. It's our 51C3, and we're dedicated to reaching a black leadership regarding this issue, and not just simply this issue, but their bioethical issues that are surrounding it. And so the God has blessed us to come up with so many ways of understanding why black leadership rejects the pro-life movement. And when you understand why black leadership rejects pro-life movement, at that point you begin to put together the right strategy to move them from A to B. Again, that's Issues for Life, issues the number four, life.org. Now, on both of those sites, do they have the ability to request you as speakers? Because I want to tell anyone (laughs) tuning in uh, across the country that um, you both have preached in the pulpit here at God Speak, and you, both of you, lit it up. And people would would be at a great loss if they didn't have you come and speak in their pulpits. And I, I know wow. you guys are busier in one arm wallpaper hangers, but <laughs> on on the website, do they have the ability to try to book you? And- if you go to my website, there's a little floating tab on the right hand side that mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. "bookmark." <laughs> oh, <like that. laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> bookmark. <That's right. laughs> Walter, yeah, and the same thing. You go to our homepage, just right there on the home, but just scroll down. It's right there. You can feedback. You can't miss it giant form just let us know the date and the time and we'll take it from there and, and we also have pastor broden who's remarkable oh. i i've been trying to get him to come but he's always having to go back to texas because he didn't want to fill in his pulpit but uh, right. one of these days i'm going to snag that brother and have him come and speak he is unbelievable. oh he's he's gifted <laughs> well i have to say i i we should have done this a long time ago but i'm glad we had a chance to do it I love you both more than tongue can tell. I love you as much as a man can love another man, still be a man. How's that? All right. Yeah. And um, I'll accept it. Amen. And and I I want folks out there to know what a gift the, the two of you are, and that they they would be blessed to have you in their pulpits. Um, the pastors do this. Sign them up, and folks follow them. Um, go to their website. Get the information they provide. Have them speak. I'm telling you, it will be a huge blessing to your fellowship, uh, your organization, whatever it is. They are walking storehouses of necessary statistics that will realign America to this great issue of life. And uh, I love you both. I'm so grateful that you're with us. And uh, you're going to come back. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And don't forget, I, 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 I hold the record. Yeah, you do. The longest services... Yeah, but you don't you don't do that er, you don't do that everywhere you go. But I will say this: I don't. I'm teasing. It it, it was it. I I asked you. Yeah. I asked you, and you you invited folks to come and 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 be prayed for. Yeah. That's what did it. And and then you you wanted it to be silent because you didn't want to publicly, and nobody left while you're laying hands on each of these folks. God's giving you a word on each of them. Yeah. And I'm watching the place just the spirit of the Lord fell in such a profound way. All three services. 
And then you came back, and today, at the end of the third service, I had you pray, and the yeah. same thing happened. You, I wish God had made two of you and none of me. You were so gifted. And, uh, but I, I can preach on time. So yeah. I know you can. I know. Yeah, I, I've seen you. you did, actually, you got down early at the did content I? of character. Good. And you left it for uh, Pastor Broden. To, or one it. of you guys did. It was yeah. great. So We had a good time. Thank you, Pastor Rob. Thank you both. And you have just been uh, privy to sitting in the presence of two great men who I love, and I know you'll adore them, and I'm going to have them back, but uh, keep them in prayer. They're on the, the front lines of the fight for life, and uh, they are precious, precious brothers. Keep them in prayer. Cover them. Love on them. Support them. Go to their websites. And until next time, it's been a great pleasure to be with you. This is Liberty Station because uh, the Freedom Train leaves from Liberty Station, and Liberty's right. doing what's right. That's right, and freedom is having choices. So... Uh, we're standing for liberty, and with that will come freedom. God bless you all. Until next time, we'll see you around like a donut.